My name is Jonah, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am the lead pastor here at Zao. Um, today is a beautiful day, a weird winter weekend in the last uh, Sunday in April we have, but it's so good to be in the warmth of this community with you all this morning. We are entering a new series, a little, a little shorty, a three-part series um, called Lost and Found, where we are engaging these stories that Jesus tells back to back uh, of things that are lost and, and then found, and what that means to God, what that means to us as people of God. And so we're starting with this one, um, one of the more well-known stories, the prodigal son, it is often called. Now, prodigal, I don't really know, like, this is the only context in which I know that word. Has anybody ever heard somebody just casually be like, oh, that's such a prodigal cheesecake? You know, like, I have, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Prodigal is not a word that we use casually in conversation. So I looked it up, and um, it's related uh, to, it's a Latin, Latin root related to the word prodigious, actually. Um, and it, it means lavish and extravagant. Here there are connotations of wasteful um, and self-indulgent. So this is the story of the wasteful, self-indulgent son. Um, and that's the way that we talk about it, right? Because this story is portrayed as being about the younger son who is wasteful and lavish in his lifestyle. And so I just want to, this is a big story. There's a lot of detail here. Um, in, in all the stories that we have from Jesus, some of them get like way more airtime than others. And this is one of the ones that gets a lot of fun detail. So we really want to dig into it. Um, so in this story that Jesus is telling it's an allegory, it's a, it's a parable, um, which means that he's trying to illustrate a point. And so every character in this story is a stand-in for someone else. And as we often do here at Zao, I, I want us to see ourselves in as many of those different characters as possible. We tend to pigeonhole ourselves in one spot. But I want you to hear the details of this story and see how you show up in each different part of it. We start with these two sons. The younger son in this family, and this family apparently has a lot of resources, the father, who is, spoilers, stand in for God. Um, <laughs> the father is uh, wealthy in resources and has these two grown children. These two grown children who are presumably going to inherit everything, um, who are going to, to be a part of what their father has been building for their whole lives and beyond. <coughs> and, um, and so then we have this younger son who says, you know what, I got this. I'm striking out on my own. I want my half. I want it now, not wait until you're dead. Give me what's mine, and I'm gone. And so he says, give me my share. He demands his share, um, and, and the father complies and gives his share of the family wealth. In one of the translation, translations, the text actually says that the father divided among them his life. And so you can see from the very beginning this generosity of the father. Like, this is my life. I will divide. Fine, I'll divide it among you if that's what you demand. Here is your share of my life. And so this, this little bro, little bro I like to call him, little bro goes, uh, goes off, like, goes way off. It's like, it's not like, hey, I'm going to start a new shop next door. It's like, I'm gone, so I'm moving out. And was anybody else like that as a teenager? Was like, at the minute I'm out of here, I am gone. I was like that. 
And so little bro is like, I am out of here. I'm doing my own thing. I'm gone. And so goes, it says, to a distant country. And then the text is real judgy about what happens. Um, that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we all relate to it in different, different ways, right? Like um, dissolute living, that's the one that the NRSV had. Wild living, I saw in another. Andrew mentioned riotous living. Some of those sound more fun than others. Um, <laughs> but in any case, all of the resources that Lil Bro took, he squandered. That word is actually pretty consistent in English translations. Squandered it, lost it, ruined it. And, and again, kind of backing up to what, what this meant. The father had divided among them his life, his life. And in what seems like a pretty short time, Lil Bro wasted it, just gone. So now he's in a distant country with not a lot of resources because he's totally wasted them with his wild living. And, um, and famine hits. So now the entire country that he's in has no resources. And he begins to starve. So he gets some crappy job somewhere as a hired hand in somebody else's estate, somebody else who was like his father. And he's feeding the pigs. But even working his tail off, even feeding these pigs, he can't afford to feed himself. And so he finds himself envious of these pigs, the carob beans that, that they're eating, these pods of beans. And he's like, oh, I would, I would eat that. And, but still, no one would give him that much. So he is really at his like, rock bottom, jealous of pig slop. And he thinks to himself, you know what? My dad's servants, my dad's hired help get more than this. So I'll go home. And, and his, his analysis, after he's made all these mistakes, after he's royally screwed up, he's like, the only way that I can go home is with my tail between my legs, ashamed and, and acknowledging to anybody who will listen, I know that I'm worthless. I know it. I know that I'm worthless. I know I'm a piece of garbage. I know that I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I know, he's coming in saying, I assume you've disowned me. I assume that I'm not worthy of your love. So hire me. Hire me as a worker. I'll earn it back. I'll earn enough to feed myself. I'll earn what it takes to survive. I know that I don't deserve the love that you pour on your own children even though I am one, because I have, by my own poor decision-making, stripped myself of the worthiness of calling myself your family, but at least, like, let me work for it and earn it. Hire me as a worker. So he, he starts what, what's surely a long journey home, and he's, like, gearing himself up for this, like, okay, I know I'm not worthy, I know I'm not worthy. He's got this whole speech prepared. God, I have sinned against the heavens and you, and I am not worthy, right? It's going over it in his head, and he comes, and as he's coming home, his father, from a long way off, the text says, sees him, sees him coming, and starts running, and runs out throws his arms around little bro, starts kissing him, and it's just, you can just picture this, right? Uh, anybody ever seen um, a parent, or I mean, maybe you've been this parent, but I want you to picture it. 
This parent who is with their child at the playground or at the beach or whatever and all of a sudden can't find their kid and the kid is gone and the parent is terrified and running around and searching and searching and searching. I remember seeing a, a parent at the lake who was looking for their kid and searching and searching so frantic when they saw their kid, they ran, stumbling in the sand, fell to their knees in front of their kid, scooped them up and was like, thank God, thank God. That is what this father is doing. Thank God, you're home, you're back, you're well, you're alive. Now, little bro still has his whole speech ready, so he's like, Father, I have sinned against you, I am not worthy. Dad's not listening. He has no time for this, none zero. He's like totally ignoring it. He's like, you're home, you were dead, you were dead, and you're alive, you were lost, and you're found, I found you, you're home. Everybody, ignoring all of the, well, I'm, I'm garbage, don't forget, you know, no time for that calls everybody up. Okay, get all our best stuff out. We're throwing a party. I want, I want him in, in the best clothes, get him some rings for his fingers. He's going to look fly for this party. We're going to get all the, we're going to cater this. We're going to have a barbecue, get everything. And they're so pumped because dad is like, my son was dead and he's alive and he's here. He lives again. Some of you may know that word, that root word, to live. The word in Greek is uh, anazazen, I want to say, mispronounce. I want to mispronounce it that way. But, but the root word is zao, this life that we've been talking about. That the father is saying, I know that my son has been experiencing death, has been dying, starving to death in so many ways. And you have to imagine that that death that little bro was experiencing was profound. Because if he is starving, he's physically unable to feed himself. Like, that's really awful. And also, can you imagine how lonely? How lonely? Because in that culture, anyone who was hungry was fed by their family. So not only was he without food, he was without community. There was no one he could turn to. And he felt like the only people he could turn to, he had to turn to in shame and say, hey, I know that I'm garbage, but I need this to survive. That kind of death is profound. And so the father knows you have been in death. You have been dying. You have been lonely and isolated and hungry and scared but you are alive again, you are back, you are here, you are with us, we are gonna feed you, we are gonna love you, we are gonna clothe you, we're gonna surround you with community and hope and life, and you are worthy of this, you are one of mine, you are beloved. And so this, this son, we, we don't really know what his deal is, we don't know if he was operating out of trauma or mental health crisis or just really bad decision making, but when he hits his rock bottom and is so convinced that he's a pile of garbage, that he is worthless, that his mistakes have stripped him of his worthiness of love, that's the mindset that he gets in, right? 
I've done something so bad that I can't, I'm not, I don't have that baseline lovability anymore. I'm just not a lovable person. But that's a totally different mind frame from what the father is doing. Because when, the, when he comes back, when the son comes back and says, okay, I know that I don't, I'm not worth any of this, but can I at least work for it? The father is like, what are you talking about? You don't earn my love. You just get it. You don't lose your worthiness. You were born with it. It's yours. What's mine is yours. I divide my life for you. I do it again. This is yours. You are worthy because you are mine. And so we have this distinct difference, this unearned love, because no, you don't have to earn it. But not this unworthiness garbage that little bro has, has had infect his spirit, that he is worthless. Because the father says, that's not how it works. The son's worthiness does not come from earning it or from good behavior. It comes from being beloved. The son is worthy of the father's love because he is the son and the father is the father. And so the son is worthy because he's loved and he's loved because he's worthy. Therefore, we're throwing a big freaking party. Welcome back. Welcome home. So back in the story, people are partying. They're having this big, wild celebration. And you can imagine, you know, like they brought out all the best stuff. Dad is so pumped. He's like, everybody get in here. But as all of this was happening, older brother has been out in the field, like literally working in the field while all this was going down. He comes back to music and dancing and is like, yo, what's going on? So he hears from another of the hired hands, your brother's back. Your dad is so stoked. We're like throwing this big party because your little brother is back. And ooh, older bro is salty. Salty. Like probably literally salty, covered in sweat because he's been working his butt off for all the years that his, his brother, the screw-up brother, has been making all these mistakes and wasting everything and breaking the rules and doing all this stuff. During that entire time, older brother has been following the rules because he's, he's been doing the labor. He's been doing the work. He's been in the field the whole time that little bro was making it rain at the club with daddy's money. And he's mad about it. So he refuses to go in. He's like, I don't want to party about this. I'm not joining your party for this jerk. What, what's your deal? So dad comes out of the party. And the text says he starts to plead with him. You know, I want you in this party. You're invited. Come to the party. It's a celebration. Join the party. We want you in on this with us. And older brother's like, no. I've been, I've been busting my ass all these years. I've always gotten it right. I followed the rules. I've done what you said. Where is my party? He doesn't deserve this. I deserve this. I earned this. I earned this, not him. And the father, I imagine, gives basically the same speech that he gave to the little brother. Kiddo, you are my beloved, my child. 
I have been here with you every day, looking out for you. Because just as the father looked, searching for the younger brother, the father was there looking after the older brother every day. You don't need to earn my love because you have it. It is here for you every day, and every day you have had it. Just as the little brother had that love waiting at home for him the moment he returned home, the older brother had that love every day when he woke up. I want you to join the celebration because our family has been reunited. This son's worthiness does not come from earning it, from good behavior. It comes from being beloved. The son is worthy of the father's love because he is the son and the father is the father. And that's very disappointing to this older son because it seems like he got the bad lot because he thinks that he has earned something. But actually, his worthiness has remained the same. Now, on a personal note, I have always felt more like the younger son, the screw-up. But I've got some older son in me, too. I have some righteousness I need to work through. And I think that one of the times recently that I felt really connected to that was in some of the reaction um, post-Trump election. Because my righteousness is in social justice. <laughs> Now, I may have been a screw-up in all the, all the same way. <laughs> Riotous living, check. <laughs> to the point of, of loneliness, homelessness, I, mean, I, I know that path well. And so I often lump myself in only with Lil Bro. But there are areas in which I have my self-righteousness that I have been working hard, and one of them is in the area of justice. Because since I was an adolescent, I have been out in the streets. I have been reading my Judith Butler. I have been reading my Karl Marx. I have been out in the streets. I have been a good comrade. Where have y'all been? <laughs> and so, as I've been doing this organizing, and you know, like, the whole point of it, actually, is to grow your base. It's to, get, it's to win people to the side of liberation and justice so that you can powerfully liberate the whole world. And, you know, that's what I would say to people. And I, I organized for years and years. That was my full-time job for a while. I was a community organizer. And, and it was great, but it was hard. It was really hard work mustering all of that and getting people out into the streets when they'd rather be doing anything else and trying to push for change when change felt so hard. But I was there. I was there working. I was there for Black Lives Matter. I was there for police brutality. I was there for immigration. I was there for queer rights. And so, after Trump got elected and everybody was like, ah, and suddenly it started to affect, I don't know, for instance, like, cis white straight people. <laughs> All of a sudden, a lot of them were conveniently in the streets. When their ass were, was on the line, when it was convenient for them, they were suddenly roll woke. And so while all of this stuff is happening and the streets are getting flooded with new energy, new life, while our family is being reunited, while we are liberating, while there is a party going on with some Becky inside on somebody else's shoulders in a pussy hat, I'm going like, oh no, I'm not going in. Where have you been? Where were you yesterday? 
I have been in the streets. I have been fighting for liberation. Where have you been? And so, I needed to have a little come to Jesus because I was mad and sweaty and righteous and felt like I had earned a place in the fight for liberation that these people had just strolled up into. Where's my recognition? Where's my party? But you know what? I've been home and loved, surrounded by comrades and family and people fighting for one another. And we just won more people to our side for, to, for liberation and for justice. And I didn't earn shit. I just showed up to the party when I showed up to the party. My worthiness to be a part of the struggle, to be a part of community, to receive this love from God and from you all didn't come from earning it, from good behavior. It comes from being beloved. I am worthy because I am loved. I am loved because I am worthy, not because I earned it. And so we have these two sides of ourselves that we see, that when we screw up, we feel like we can strip ourselves of our inherent worth, of our lovability. And on the other side, we feel like that when we've got something right, when we've been here sweating away, that we've earned something that somebody can't just get freely. And these are dangerous, dangerous places to be. But that is the structure that we've been given to determine the worth of our entire universe. That is how we evaluate ourselves, how we evaluate one another. But the Father doesn't play this game. The Father has no interest in it. The Father is not here for those speeches of, I am not worthy, nor is the Father there for speeches of, I earned this. The Father says, okay, come to the party. You know we're having like a rager back there, right? <laughs> You're invited. What are you doing out here? Stop eating the pig slop. Stop stomping your feet in righteous indignation. There is an actual party going on that I have thrown for you, for our family, for the reunification of all things to me, for joy and justice and love and liberation. We've got a calf. We're barbecuing. It's great. Get in there. Because actually the real prodigal here, the real lavishness, is God is the Father who pours out everything that God has. Not earned and yet worthy. That God says, what is mine is poured out for you, is broken for you, is risen for you. Come to the party and welcome your friends and bring everybody. And you know what? Every time somebody new comes back home, we're amping it up again. Because what's mine is yours. And what I choose to do with it is give it away in celebration, in recognition of every piece of us that comes home to life, everything that was dead that is risen again, everything that was lost that is found. Come to the party. We may be lost. We may be righteously standing outside. Or maybe for moments of our lives, we can get in on that party. But God is always there, always calling in, always looking out, always drawing us in 
towards reunification, liberation, and joy, singing and dancing and really good food. I think it's no coincidence that the core ritual that our tradition is built around is the table with wine. <laughs> because we party together. We party together, we live together, we celebrate together. That life, that life is community and family and choosing one another as family and recognizing that actually we do belong here. We are worthy of that love and so is everyone else. So wherever you are feeling yourself most, you're feeling like the younger bro screw up or the foot stomping older bro, be drawn in by that lavish prodigal father, by that God who pours it all out and says, and yet there is more. Look out with us for the others who we are calling home. Throw a party every time someone comes in and recognize that they belong, that they are worthy, and they are your family. And our family is coming back together and that is worth celebrating. Will you pray with me? Good and holy God, we know that you are a righteous parent. We know that you understand the true worth of your creation because you created us. And actually you get to say who is worthy. And you say we all are. God, your goodness, your lavishness, it's anathema to us. We pray that you would help us to understand it in this world of scarcity. That you would help us to celebrate when we come home and when others come home. And you would help us feel worthy. Worthy of the love that you pour out. Worthy of the communities that are here to receive us. Worthy of the big-ass party you throw in our name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, if you would all stand with us, either in body or in spirit, as we stay in, in that uh, vein and, and sing about the simple...